Hi everyone, I'm Jessica. And I'm Morgan. You're listening to Suspicion. Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I am very excited because the inspiration behind this episode came from one maybe or maybe our favorite channel. Favorite. Okay, yes. So favorite movie slash TV show channel, Lifetime. Yes, we are passionate Lifetime watchers. We have spent entire days only watching Lifetimes. That's a real fam favorite activity. Yes, and recently they have been crushing it with the movies because they're doing this whole thing called ripped from the headlines so they did one on the next vm cult they're doing one on the college admission scandal coming up is one that i'm really excited for it's the mary and beth stouffer case oh yes and so i watched this last night and i texted jessica and i said i think we need to do it it's really crazy and Mm -hmm. i think it also rounds out you know we don't want to just tell you stories about people being murdered yeah so this is um an interesting story and it's going to bring up a lot of interesting topics um (laughs) we're like going into some more controversial subjects in here but um we you know kind of feel strongly about supporting the message that um the woman in this story is trying to get across so it's important to us to to share it and to to make that leap into these topics. Yes. So on that note, this is the story of Alex Cooper. And most of our information we got from the Lifetime movie, Trapped, the Alex Cooper story, as well as an interview that Alex did with Logo, which is, I think it's an affiliate of Lifetime. And... And To clarify, the Lifetime movie is based on the memoir that Alex wrote herself. So um, I, in the interview, she says it's pretty much on point except for a little creative license at the end. At the end, yes. Mm -hmm. To start off, the Lifetime.com says when her Mormon parents learned she was gay and had a girlfriend... 15-year-old Alex Cooper was sent away to live with a pair of sadistic Mormons appointed to cure her of her homosexuality. To start off, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Mormon church's stance on homosexuality. And this is from the humanrightscampaign.org. The LDS church follows strict rules of sexual conduct, including commandments against premarital sex. The church distinguishes between same-sex attraction and behavior. As stated on its website, the experience of same-sex attraction is a complex reality for many people. The attraction itself is not a sin, but acting on it is. The LDS church previously taught that same-sex attraction is a curable condition, but now, in 2019 states that individuals do not choose to have such attractions and that therapy focusing on a change in sexual orientation is unethical. 
So that is their stance today, right, in 2019. It, however, was very different for many, many years. Like most religions, I think, would be fair to say. Exactly. And, you know, in the Christian church, they believe that um, homosexuality is also a sin because of some passages way far exactly. in the past. So I want to point out, you know, we're focusing on a situation that happened within the Mormon church right now. But in doing research, I mean, we found stories like this that stemmed from all different kinds of religions. Yes, really. So it's not anything. exclusive no, it's to not. Mormonism. Yes. And so also on the Human Rights Campaign website, it states that um, the LDS church believes that those who do not act on their sexual identity can enjoy full fellowship in the church. However, the church considers Mormons who act on feelings of same-sex same attraction to have disobeyed church teachings on morality and thus are subject to ecclesiastical discipline. So they may be placed on probation for those desiring to change their behavior, disfellowshipped, which means they're excluded from participating in the sacraments for a finite period of time while they correct their behavior or excommunicated. Members who face a disciplinary counsel and refuse to repent or insist that their feelings are integral to who they are almost always are excommunicated. They lose their membership and cannot participate in any way other than attend meetings they lose the eternal ties that bind them to their families and their church. And just point out, everything that that said is completely against what either of us believe. And hopefully I said it with enough sarcasm. I mean, just stay because it's just crazy. I'm also very confused about what the extent of excommunicated is because you can still go to, essentially you can still go to church. Well, what, I think what they want meetings? you to. I they think want you to go to church. They want you to go to church so that you can give them money, change your behavior, or give them money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm about the. What I liked about this whole overview on how, what the Mormon Church believes is that I really wanted to focus on the part that says they lose their eternal ties that bind them to their families and their church, because we will see in this Alex Cooper case. That was the main motivation behind her parents' decision because they were terrified of losing her eternally in the afterlife. Alex Cooper was, as we've mentioned, a Mormon girl, um, and she always kind of knew she was a lesbian. Mm -hmm. So after she spent a couple nights away from home, she decides that she needs to tell her parents. And they immediately kick her out, and she goes and lives with her friend's family. And the friend's family that she stayed with, that she was best friends with one of the daughters, and her, that daughter's sister, so another daughter, she actually introduced Alex to her girlfriend named Frankie. Oh, cute. Yes, yeah, so that family was in the Mormon church as well, 
Oh. They were. However, it seemed that they were maybe a little bit more... Progressive? A little bit more progressive, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Alex's parents come and get her, saying they are taking her to live with her grandparents for a while. They take her, though, to a random home, and she tries to hide in the car, but they pull her out. And her parents tell her she's going to live with a new couple named Johnny and Tiana Sims, who have helped people like her before. It turns out that her grandparents are actually the people who introduced this couple to her parents. They knew them from church meetings and knew that the Sims family had new kids with them at church and were practicing conversion therapy. So they turned to them when her parents told her grandparents that Alex was gay. According to the Trevor Project, conversion therapy is any of several dangerous and discredited practices aimed at changing an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity. Conversion therapists use a variety of shaming, emotionally traumatic, or physically painful stimuli to make their victims associate those stimuli with their LGBTQ identities. Yeah. So like if so you So you have... just traumatize people. Yeah. So that they're constantly in a state of emotional distress. Yeah. So it's like if you have a thought about a woman and you're a woman, then they'll every time you think of a woman, they'll beat you. So then when you think of a woman, you feel that trauma your face right now shows that it's archaic and it makes no sense have you heard of conversion therapy before yes yes i've mm -hmm. heard about it um i watched something that ha uh, that had conversion therapy i feel like it was like a criminal minds episode um and that's when it may have been a different show so i can maybe see if i can find out where it was it I american it. horror story they have it in American Horror Story? Yeah, in the Asylum oh, season. Oh, yes. Yes, that's where I I heard of this. I watched the Asylum season. Yes. What, with the woman? With Sarah Paulson's character. Oh. Mm -hmm, the journalist. I did watch that. I had always heard about it, but honestly, I didn't know that it was actually still happening until the last election. <laughs> When uh, one of my friends was telling me more about it um, relating to some politicians. Okay. Keeping it vague. Keeping yeah. it vague. Yeah. And then, and then I obviously researched Looked it a into little it. bit more. Yeah. And then after watching this, I really went down a rabbit hole. And if anybody is interested in more conversion therapy stories, if you go to Google and type it in, everywhere. Oof. I know. It's really sad. According to studies by the UCLA Williams Institute, more than 700,000 LGBTQ people have been subjected to the horrors of conversion therapy and an estimated 80,000 LGBTQ youth will experience this unprofessional conduct in coming years, often at the insistence of well-intentioned but misinformed parents or caretakers. How, okay, like, you did a quick Google search of research. Yes. And found horrifying things, correct? Yes. So, 
I don't understand how this day and age you can be misinformed. You think you're sending your kids to the only one that's not going to totally traumatize them? I I agree. I don't I don't know if it's just the kind of blind idea of, you know, people in your faith or in your church are different people. If it's just, you know, you're turning a blind eye to it, but again, you'll see in this case how her parents weren't misinformed. I mean, she says that she doesn't blame. She says she doesn't blame them either, or her grandparents. I know. I don't. I don't know. You can't. I don't think you can be misinformed unless you're just so against homosexuality that you're gonna again turn a blind eye to other things if you think that this is gonna help your child in the long run. Yeah. I, it's just. I just don't. I just don't understand it. And if I'm not gonna comment on it, religion. It, okay. It's, I know it's so hard because it's it's a crime. But it's also religious ideas, and those are hard to tangle with. No, it, no, it's not. It's still a crime. It is a crime. So, like, I don't like no. I don't care what your religion is. A crime is a crime. I know. I agree. I agree. <sighs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little heated already. Okay. Well, it's it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't I don't. Sense. I don't care what your justification is if you're putting your child in mm-hmm. harm's way. That's what you're doing. And it's also your child. Exactly. Who you, when you like have that child, you're signing up to take care of it. And the Sims were very well respected and known in the community. So they used this as a psychological tool from the beginning to convince Alex that no one would believe or help her if she you know, came out and said what was happening to her. Especially they, from the get-go, said, we work with uh, troubled teens in other institutions, at residential treatment facilities and things like that. So they're close to the police. Oh. So it's not just the community of, like, neighbors and stuff. It's... Like, law enforcement. Law enforcement. So... From the start, she doesn't have anywhere to turn because she thinks she can't go to law enforcement because they'll turn her back in. Mm-hmm. And they'll say she's just a troubled youth and making uh-huh. things up. And then it gets even trickier for her because... That's a good lead up for me. Thank you. Alex's parents give their guardianship rights to this couple. So the Sims become Alex's legal guardians. Yeah, because she's 15. So they tell her you can stay here for, you can be here for three months or three years until you turn 18. I wish, I wish people could see a snapshot of your face right now. Your, your lip is curled up and your eyes are just wide. I feel like a lot of times I just don't really, there's, there's not always words, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just completely shocking. Uh Uh-huh. And there's nothing I can say that's going to communicate what is in my head. Yeah. I wish I had live-streamed my reactions to this movie. Day one for Alex in the Sims household. The Sims go through Alex's suitcase, taking out the immodest clothing, like a skirt. They take her phone. They give her clothes to wear. Her room is in a kid's room with bunk beds, and she has a mattress on the floor. Morgan included a note here. <laughs> OMG, these people have kids? Question mark, exclamation point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have four kids of their own. Do you know, like, approximately how old they were when this took place? I don't, but, I mean, from the movie, they looked younger, like, under elementary 10? school. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like, under 10, yeah. Um, they also, ex- the Sims also explained the house rules. You don't talk to the kids, you don't steal, you do what we say, and you'll be fine. Don't forget that they know everyone, and everyone trusts them. The more uncomfortable you are, the more you'll grow. Oh, lovely. Uh-huh. And Alex is spent, spends the days wearing an extra-large gray shirt and a long skirt. Yeah, so they basically strip her of anything that's a part of her identity and just make her wear this gray blob. Of an outfit. Gray blob of an outfit. And then throughout the entire thing, it's it's variations of that. Okay. Like, like Morgan mentioned, the couple has four kids, and there are also two other older boys who this couple is helping. Mm-hmm. On day two, Alex wakes up, and Johnny Sims is sleeping on the couch, so she can't get out the door. Yeah, so... You find out later that he was having a ton of back pain. Okay. A lot of back issues, and this will come to play later on. But so he could only really sleep on the couch, which. So he's like guarding the door also. Yeah. And that's what I thought at first was oh, he's probably there in case she tries to run. But it's. It's but probably a little it's bit probably of both. both. Yeah. And she also finds that the phone doesn't work in the house. So. Alex is able to talk to her mom once a week and her dad occasionally after 30 days in the Sims household. She spends most of her time reading the Bible and writing in a secret journal that she hides in the radiator. She does chores and she watches religious speakers with the rest of the family. Sounds thrilling. After 40 days with the Sims, they take her to church. She goes to the church that her grandparents also attend, but they acted like she didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Completely ignored her. One time at the grocery store, she hands a woman um, behind her in line a note, but The man gets it and tells the woman that Alex likes to play pranks. And once they get to their van in the parking lot, he whips her with his belt. Mm -hmm. So she hands her a note and it says, I'm Alex Cooper. I'm being kept, you know, against my will. And Johnny, it's it's just her and Johnny, and Johnny grabs the note. He's like, ugh, Alex, told you not to play pranks on people. And the woman just kind of... Looks at her and, like, turns away. My instinct is, like, if something feels a little bit off, I just call the police. Yes. I'm like, what is the worst-case scenario here? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not constantly calling the police, everyone. No. But there have been scenarios where I'm like, mm-hmm. this just feels a little bit off, and why don't I have the police do a wellness check? I yeah. mean, that's what they're there for, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did that um, when we were on our way to the gym, I think a year ago. Yeah, we saw something kind of fishy in the front yard, and it turned out to be nothing. Right. But yeah, you know, your instincts were, you know, let's just get it checked out. And I would just hope that somebody would do that for me. 
And I get, you know, sometimes kids can say things that are a little exaggerated, but exactly. Listen to your gut. She's also not a kid, though. She's not. She's a teenager. She's a teenager. So she has some wherewithal, you know, about what is going on and what's okay to say and not say. We also find out that Alex's girlfriend is older than her. So it's it's an issue of statutory rape. And so the the Sims say that it's not her fault because she was corrupted by this older girl and she wasn't gay. Yeah, so uh, her girlfriend Frankie was 18 and Alex was 15. So they really wanted her name, her full name, so that they could press charges against her. And Alex was not going to give it up. And they also say that um, Alex was never gay before, and it was just because she met this girl, this older woman who corrupted her. But Alex says, no, I've always been gay. And she also is refusing to give up the name of her girlfriend. So because she's refusing to say that she's not actually gay and not letting them press charges against her girlfriend. They give her a backpack to under so that she can understand the burden of her sexuality. With this backpack, they fill it up with huge rocks that she then has to wear uh, 24-7, except for when she sleeps. And she has to wear it all day. She gets huge, like, red welts on her back. You know when your backpack's, like, digging into you? Yeah. And it just, it's so painful. But it gets even worse. Because not only is she wearing this backpack, but every time the couple asks for the girlfriend's name and they don't get it, they actually make the other kids go and grab rocks to put in her backpack. Their kids or the boys? Both. Okay. So later on in the mo- in the movie, one of the little Sims kids is painting a rock and saying, oh, I'm making this for you. <gasps> yeah. And also in the interview with Logo um, by Lawrence Ferber, Alex herself says that The relationship between the other teens in the house was really complicated. Sometimes they supported each other. Um, At one point, she mentions that they had made a group escape plan. But when it backfired or when they were caught doing something and something went wrong, instantly they would turn on each other. Mm -hmm. Survival. It's survival. They didn't want to get in trouble. They didn't want to be the one who had to face the wrath. And Johnny told one of the boys at one point, like, go – Get her a rock, but get a big one. And if it's not a big rock, you're going to wear a backpack too. So he gets a huge rock, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She On Thanksgiving, she gets to go uh, visit her parents and her grandparents. So her grandparents live really close or supposedly close to the Sims house, but she has no idea where the Sims live because this is in the state of Utah and she's from California. Okay. So she's not familiar with the area. When she goes to her grandparents' house, her parents tell her that they are going to move closer to her, meaning she's not going home with them. 
they're going to move closer so that she can stay with the Sims and continue the program, but they'll be, they'll be there. And she freaks out because she thought at this point they'd be taking her home. Mm -hmm. She shows her mom her bruises from the backpack. She tells them what they, what the Sims do to her. And, but like we said, her, her parents are just terrified that they're not going to be able to live eternally without her in heaven. So bogus. Yeah. She even, her parents even tell the Sims that Alex tried to make them, yeah, make them stray and bring her home. Yeah. Yeah. So. Why? Because I I guess they probably think that she's not, the program's not working for her. She's not really invested in it. (gasps) Oh my God. This brings her to a new level of punishment. Not only does she have to continue wearing the backpack filled with the rocks, but from about 8 in the morning until almost 10 at night, she has to wear the backpack and stand facing a wall. She can only stand looking at the wall, just eat her meals there, and people would come into the into the house, like at one point, some elders come in from the church, completely ignore her. The kids would just walk right by her to go to bed at night. And she could only move from her spot when Johnny told her, like, you can, you can go. I worked at a place where for 10 hours, you're, we were standing, but you know, you're moving around and stuff. And like, that was tough. But to stand in one place with a backpack filled with rocks all day. No, she was in so much pain. And do you want to know how long she was she was doing this? How long she was standing at the wall every day? Two months. It's shocking what people can survive yeah. when they want to survive. Because this is... like I can't mm-hmm. imagine... You know, I just can't yeah. imagine doing that. No, I can't either. And I mean... You know, she does break at one point. Um, It's, oh, man, I'm really sad. So she's been standing there looking at the wall for two months. It's past her 16th birthday. And in the middle of the night, she sneaks into the kitchen And she takes a bunch of Johnny's, like I mentioned, he had severe back issues, so he took medication for it. She took a bunch of his back pills to try and kill herself. Um, However, the couple find her, they make her throw up, and she survives this attempt. After the suicide attempt... So is this the only reason why she stopped staring at the wall with her backpack? No. No, she has to continue doing it. (gasps) Oh, yeah, no, they, they make her throw up and they say, like, how dare you do that in our daughter's bedroom? Like, don't think that this changes anything. Like, get up and, you know, go back to what you're doing. Yeah. I know. And so they even take her to talk to, like, a bishop. And she's telling him about, you know, everything that they, they're doing to her. And he's calling it her overdose not her suicide attempt because a few years prior she was caught like smoking pot. So now he's saying like, oh, uh, you're yeah, a drug addict you're, and you're escalating. You're a drug addict. Yeah. 
not like oh you're this abuse that's being inflicted on you. It's so. caused such a mental deterioration. Yep. Yeah. No. And he basically is telling her that like her feelings are taking her away from creating actions towards reuniting with God. So she is at a low, 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 low point. Understandably. Nobody is believing in her. She's been trying. Right, she's trying to tell people. She tells so many people and nobody. And, you know, again, she's not going to school at this time. So there's like a whole level of, you know, people that she's not being able to communicate with. But it doesn't even matter because the Sams are so ingratiated into the community and the police and the church. So so she's in so much pain mentally and physically that she eventually does tell Tiana and Johnny the full name of her girlfriend. Okay, so this is what So I'm this saying. is where it changes. And then after that, she's allowed to take the backpack off. And she starts participating in the Bible studies. She does anything they ask for. Every single time they ask if she if she's still gay, she says, no, no. It was just like a whole, you know, I, I fell under this girl's influence. She'll do any chore they ask her to. She like shovels the driveway. And after 77 days of her just like, you know, pretending that she's fully immersed in this program, they tell her that she's now allowed to go to school. When she goes to school, it's not like she's still like free because um, after like a day, she's like late to a biology class. And at dinner that night, the Sims say, oh, we got a call from your teacher. Like, why were you late to biology? What were you doing? So like even the teachers were kind of, you know, I mean, keeping not, an eye on her. They're not necessarily like snitching though, the teachers. No, they're, they're just saying they're doing their job, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if I don't know how late she was, but she, she wasn't like super late, but you know. There's people, there are people that were like, oh, calling them and saying like, oh, she passed by my office today. And like, oh, oh stuff no. Like that. So she is being. I think she's being watched. Mm-hmm. Oh, crazy. But, okay. but it gets better because she, in one of her classes, she meets this clearly like, like openly gay kid named Jason who is incredible like his backpack has like you know they want to show in the movie that like okay this kid is you know open because mm-hmm. on his backpack he has like a um he has like a bunch of rainbows and yeah stuff. Like, okay oh my god love him immediately he just starts asking her about herself and why she moved there and so she's being told to say that she moved there to help her grandparents and so he kind of starts taking her he takes her under his wing And he introduces her to an English teacher named Carolyn, who is not only the leader of the Gay Straight Alliance Club, she's also a Mormon. Like any religion, there's going to be people who are so literal and conservative, and then there's going to be people who are progressive. And I think that most of the time, most people are progressive these days. I think it depends where you are. True. That's true. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're in a very so, progressive part of the um, She really, like, connects with Jason, and he tells her about how students, like, physically assault him in front of teachers, and nobody does anything, and, Jesus. you know, kind of about his hardships. Um, he was going to himself um, commit suicide, but 
he wanted his mom to like know why he would commit suicide so he gave her a note of saying that he was gay and she just immediately accepted him oh yeah yeah and so this just kind of gives her more confidence to um that she can be accepted that she can be accepted and that there's people who do accept her Mm -hmm. after a few weeks at school she um comes out to jason and tells him him and the teacher carolyn everything that has happened okay the abuse, why she's there, that she's gay, all this stuff. And so they call a lawyer named Paul Burke who says that he's going to take her case for free. Yay. I know. So it's, it's things are starting to get better. It's light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> they, unfortunately, they can't take her out of the Sim household immediately because, like we mentioned, Alex's parents gave their parental rights away to the Sims. Mm -hmm. So, like Morgan mentioned, you know, people are kind of watching uh, Alex at school. And we don't really know if they, like, suspected anything um, or, like, kind of what brought this on. But the Sims actually end up banning Alex from going to school and again, they give her this backpack of rocks and make her stand at the wall. Mm-hmm. But luckily, because of this experience at school, she now has the confidence to leave. And she runs away outside and gets on a bus to go to her school where she hides until she finds the teacher, Carolyn, who's been helping her. Mm-hmm. And Carolyn alerts the police and her lawyer. Oh, I started crying at this part because she's like, you can't call, Alex says, you can't call the police, you know, you can't. And Carolyn's like, do you think I'm going to let anybody take you away now? And she, she like takes Alex to the front, front hall, uh, to the front office. And she says, if anybody alerts the Sims that she's here, you're going to jail. And then they, they sit in the nurse's office and Jason comes in and just Jason and Carolyn are like, holding her to, like, protect her. So at this point, Alex is taken out of the house and is taken to a youth crisis center. And after months of work with her lawyer, they are able to get Alex legally declared an adult so that she could not be forced back into this conversion therapy by her parents ever again. Her parents and Alex have reconciled where she says she believes they thought they were helping her and didn't intentionally put her in torturous conditions. Yeah, I guess her dad has even said now that he he would walk her down the aisle if she ever married oh, a woman so of her nice. dreams. Yeah, so they really kind of have come back together. And she, she also says she doesn't hate her grandparents. She thinks that they were all doing this out of um, concern. In the Logo interview, Alex also mentions that her parents, after this whole court case and everything, had to go to mandatory PFLAG meetings, which helped them come around to her accepting her sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, So just a quick insert there, PFLAG is the nation's largest family and ally organization. So it's the first and largest organization for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people, their parents and families and allies. Um, so they essentially help you know, support parents and families of 
um, people who are LGBTQ. Thankfully, the Sims lost their jobs at the residential treatment centers. Yeah. Just like it's such an eye roll, it's insane. I know. And they were forced to stop conversion therapy in their own homes. Again, like what the heck? Yeah. Conversion therapy is still legal in 33 states for minors. LGBTQ kids are four times as likely to be forced into conversion therapy. So this is interesting. From that interview we've mentioned with Alex, she says, all these laws being passed against conversion therapy are amazing. When I first started talking about it, it was legal in every state. Now it's legal in 33 states, which is still too many, but it's a huge amount of progress. Yet those laws wouldn't stop what happened to me from happening again. My parents signed over parental guardianship to these people. I was living in their home. I wasn't in the facility being treated by a therapist. I was in someone's home as their legal child, and they were preaching the words of the LDS church, which is not illegal. The physical abuse was illegal, for sure, but everything else wasn't, and this happens a lot more than we think. It could be your next-door neighbor. So you definitely have to be vigilant. And like we said, you know, if something feels off just look into it or just call the police or something let them handle it exactly something that was really interesting though at the end of the movie you know how they always have those like blurbs of what everyone's up to now Mm -hmm. every major psychiatric community in the united states has condemned conversion therapy And from the Trevor Project, which we'll talk about for our organization Spotlight, they say that the American Psychiatric Association has clarified that, quote, the potential risks of reparative therapy or conversion therapy are great, including depression, anxiety, and self-destructive behavior. Since therapist alignment with societal prejudices against homosexuality may reinforce self-hatred already experienced by the patient, unquote. The Pan-American Health Organization, a regional office of the World Health Organization, concluded that conversion therapy, quote, lacks medical justification and represents a serious threat to the health and well-being of affected people, unquote. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense that this doesn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, like, these are the top kind of medical organizations saying, this doesn't work. It's it's not... Right, and if you're in... A, if you grow up your whole life in a community that is very anti-LGBTQ, there's no way you come... Like, not no way. It, you can imagine how difficult it would be to reconcile that as part of yourself. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, there's, I just can't imagine that it's like, oh, everyone is always talking about how much they hate LGBTQ people. Well, I am, so I feel great about it. You yeah. know? There's no and confidence. Then, then you get sent to this place where you were, like, beaten mm-hmm. over it. Mm-hmm. And, like, how low can you be brought I mean I can't imagine the toll that takes on you I mean physically but more so mentally Mentally. psychologically emotionally 
just create such a long-term trauma. Yeah, your self-esteem is just, you must feel, it's shot. And you get out of here and, I mean, the amount of, like, good therapy, like, actual working. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're huge fans of therapy. Yeah, conventional therapy, like, for sure. Definitely shop around everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, to, to leave this on a high note, Alex was able to overcome a lot of the trauma. Um, she had been there for eight months, which is a long, long time. time. And um, she, once she was able, once she was past kind of all the legal issues, she was able to focus on school. She graduated early. She started dating like a bishop's daughter. And she just was able to start doing like normal teenage things and was able to really kind of focus on her own life in 2016 she wrote a memoir with um, a woman named joanna brooks and that's called saving alex when i was 15 i told my mormon parents i was gay and that's when my nightmare began and we'll put this um, a link to this on our website on instagram and on our facebook page and i already ordered it on Amazon when I finish I'll give it to you yeah and I think we need to do kind of a follow-up because I have some questions yes yeah we'll do a follow-up okay I think we'll do a follow-up mini episode we'll just release it in conjunction with the weekly episode Mm -hmm. um because I know I have questions so we want to read the book and get into it all right our organization spotlight we did mention it earlier it's um the Trevor Project it was founded in 1998 by the creators of an Academy Award-winning short film called Trevor. The Trevor Project is the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning young people under 25. The Trevor Project's multiple in-person and online life-saving, life-affirming resources um things like the trevor lifeline trevor chat trevor space and trevor education workshops the trevor project is the premier organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lgbtq teens and young adults so they have a bunch of different resources um they have different kind of like chat programs for kids um, chat programs for families, and so um, everybody go check out their website. If you or someone you know needs help, please go to thetrevorproject.org to chat with a professional. Um, you can even text from their website or gain resources to help someone you know or to help someone in your family or yourself. Or you can call 1-866-488-7386. The Trevor Project is incredible. I was, I went down a rabbit hole on their website. They have every single thing that you could possibly need to, to like help someone or to help yourself get out of a really bad um, predicament. It's, it's incredible. And if you want to watch the short film, Trevor, it's also on YouTube. Did you watch it yet? No, not yet. 
Okay. Because the baby cried. Okay. <laughs> I, was I was babysitting when this was all happening. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Morg, for finding this story. And I think it's it's a good story to tell. Um, thanks since for Since this is clearly this going on still. I mean, it's, cr- it's just crazy to me that it's legal in 33 states. That's too many. Um, thank you to our sister Brittany and her husband for going to a wedding last night and allowing me to watch a Saturday night feature film premiere. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. As we always say, please feel free to check us out on our website, suspicion.com. We are also on Instagram and on Facebook at Suspicion. Mm -hmm. And please, if you are liking what you're hearing, Uh, Leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening. And also feel free to email us at uh, suspicion at gmail.com. And we have an upcoming listener request episode that we're going to be doing. Which will be our second one. Which will be our second one. But if anybody has any, I mean, I'd love to hear different stories from around the United States and in or cities, beyond or beyond in yeah. cities that we don't really we might not know about exactly um, a case but yeah thanks for listening everyone thank you stay suspicious <laughs> i thought you were gonna join me on that one no i'm not gonna join you ever but <laughs>